Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. I don't even know if we should call it on AMC anymore, because I've been watching it on Netflix, but whatever. It's a Netflix original, Breaking Bad. <laughs> We're talking about Season 3, Episode 7, entitled One Minute. Uh, this is a really exciting episode, from start to finish, I think. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of beatings, you get a lot of uh, attempted murder. Yeah. A lot of people in hospitals. Sure. You get some uh, child endangerment thrown in there. To, uh-huh. Why not? To, to, to kick things off. I... Really enjoyed this episode. This episode holds up like a champ. Uh, you know, we yeah. talked about the last few being kind of set piece, and I once again shocked with my memory. Uh, I would never have thought that Jesse Savage beating and Hanks getting shot happened in the same episode, but they cram it all into one episode. Sure, um, makes it kind of a roller coaster. Uh, this might be the best Breaking Bad episode so far. Like, if we ignore everything that comes after. Hmm. Okay, oh, okay, okay. I can see a little s- skepticism. Uh, at what point are you comfortable saying, yeah, probably? Top three? Top five? I think maybe top three. Because uh, I'm I'm thinking Jane's death is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with one that I would say is better than either of those two in yeah. the first two seasons. I mean, we always talk about... I mean, four days out is really strong, but it in a is. different kind of way. And we always talk about the pilot, but I mean, in terms of like Hank almost dies in this episode. Who says he's not dead? I just said almost dies in this episode. Oh, OK. Uh, there is, you know, Jesse that I mean, this is one of the greatest Aaron Paul episodes. Like, this yeah. is the greatest yeah. Aaron Paul episode today. To I think date. so. There's also like problem dog later on, which is amazing, which yeah. I won't talk about. But sure. Yeah, this is Aaron Paul work. has a lot of incredible moments, but that speech he gives is just mm-hmm. so gangster. And it's and so, so much. And then the speech he gives, I mean, that's just straight up gangster. The speech he gives to Walt later yeah. on yeah. is just emotionally devastating. That's the one we want to hear from Jesse, right? And how Walt just effortlessly flips the tables on this kid because <laughs> for whatever reason, he just Ugh. craves affection and attention and validation from this man. Yeah. Yeah, I that's the other flip-flop here, right? We go from, you know, Hank be beating Jesse and being in trouble to nearly getting killed. We also go from Jesse being firmly against Walt and wanting to go off and do his own cooking to back on Walt's side. Man, it's within like in the span of an episode. It's like watching a classically abusive relationship unfold. Yeah. But, you know, it's also oh, man, you can go back and forth about what Walt really thinks about Jesse. Mhm. And you know, does he really love him, but he feels threatened and his pride and ego get in the way? Like, is this, you know, your classic father and son not being able to communicate? I mean, I, I don't know, but that's one of the brilliant things is that the show is able to flip back and forth on that. Not like flip-flopping as in, you know, acting one way, acting another. It's all very mm-hmm. nuanced and something you can debate. Circumstances. Uh, help to muddy the waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of guessing on the audience's part. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like their motivations change much, but we always kind of wonder, you know, how exactly they feel about each other. And also they keep on, that's the other thing I pondered, they keep on inserting extra information in flashbacks. Mm, yeah. And to completely recontextualize events. And I started to wonder while I was watching this episode... Is that is that kind of cheap or overused in this show? Is that like one of the one of the hidden flaws you start to notice the fact that they rely so much on, 
you know, you're feeling this. And, and Orange is the New Black. I've this something Kelly said to me covering Orange is the New Black about the way Gingy Cohen likes to do things, where she likes to build up and demonize a character. Mm. And then here is a character flashback moment that completely redeems it. And, you know, they just go back to this thing. And I feel like that's a little bit. I mean, you never have the kind of tacking and the kind of flip-flopping that you see like Laurie Grimes and Rick and Shane sure. all under in the first two seasons of Walking Dead. That's like the classic. This doesn't make any fucking sense. These uh, are just different characters to wake up on diff, you know, it, it, it's like fucking sliders or or quantum leap. Yeah. Uh you wake up and it's a different person. But on the other hand, man, it it's feels a little manipulative. I don't know. I I remember that Lost kind of did that a lot too with its flashbacks. And There's I, another show. That's a show that I would say is nakedly manipulative of his audience in a way surely, that doesn't yes. feel honest in, in final assessment. Yeah. And this show doesn't do it to that extent. Not even close, I'd say. I mean, there was like that became a staple of Lost is the, the constant flashbacks. Yeah. Um, this does it a few times where I feel like they're recontextualizing things. But a lot of the time, like, I don't feel like anything was necessarily recontextualized with this flashback here that we, that we start with. With Hector. well, that's that's why I wanted to talk about. It's just it. showing more of the relationship um, and kind of why the cousins are the way that the cousins are, right? But you know, that's the thing. Like when I was watching this in the beginning, uh, you know, before I was even podcasting on, I was just watching as a as a fan. I remember being frustrated with the cousins because they're just such one-dimensional and emotionless characters mm-hmm. that don't speak. It's just kind of bizarre. And then you get this thing that kind of makes me feel stupid for thinking that. Hmm. And then, like, you know, is that something that the Villigan likes to do? Like, um, it seems foolish for a showrunner to deliberately structure something that makes the audience kind of skeptical or derisive of a particular plot element and then comes through and redeems it. You know, it's like you're really risking people. And maybe that's a game he likes to play. Or he's counting on the fact that... He knows that, he's got his hooks in elsewhere, right? Or like, the, he's going to put these two cool dudes in cool suits with cool boots and cool guns. And we're just going to think they're cool. And then he's going to blow our mind with their hidden secret origin story. Yeah, guess what? They're actually characters. To me, it's like made them palatable, mm-hmm. whereas it wasn't like over the top. Oh my god, these guys are amazing, and now I think they're now that explains their bizarre behavior. Of course, they're yeah. emotionless terminators. They were raised by that <laughs> by some psychopath. Uncle. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Wait, is that their uncle or is that their? It's got so if they're father. if we know it's yeah, I don't know the relationship wait, no, no, yeah, yeah, between here, the you, Salamancas. It's a family tree. <laughs> Tuco. Is definitely his nephew. Uh-huh. These guys are his cousins. So, yes, so that must be their uncle. Sons. And I think he says, get get a beer for your hermano. Um, what, what's the... What did he, I thought he said, get a beer for your uh, for old uncle. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think, I'm pretty sure he said that at one Shit, point. Shit, I missed that. But, no, I if, if they're cousins of Tuco, then, yes, by extension, this must be uh, their uncle. Unless it's their dad, but I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think it's dad. Okay, all right. But it, it, either way, he is a harsh man uh, who likes to teach lessons that you don't forget. You know who he doesn't like? Who's that? The chicken man. You're right. He doesn't. Those because dirty, he's dirty from South, South Americans. Americans. You can't trust a South American. No, man. I mean, they don't even. They might even. They might speak Portuguese. They might even speak the right yeah, language. You that's how I live those. my life. I don't trust <laughs> South Americans. Uh, but there's a lot of really interesting details about one Gus Fring. 
Uh-huh. Uh, saying, like, I don't care who he knows, implying that he's got some kind of important connections. Call him a generalissimo. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Which I think we'll talk about a little more in the spoiler section, yeah? Sure, sure. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I know, and I thought it was interesting that they they work in the one-minute motif here yep. when he's taunting one of the cousins How much about longer do you think he has down there? At the bottom minute? of his ice bucket. Yeah. Although, you know, if he was thinking, like, really, the ice water is probably going to give him more time. Mm. You know, that retards brain death and, and, and keeps, keeps it from happening. I mean, you could probably the cold might him. restrict his lungs. Maybe he doesn't have as 40, much 50 minutes air. he's got with proper <laughs> medical care. As young it's as true. he is in recovery. Yeah. It's like, that, that should have been the young cousin's retort. <laughs> is that a slap in him? Yeah, just get, just yeah. get extreme medical <laughs> textbook knowledge on him. Book knowledge, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, anyway, I think we've talked sufficiently about that scene. Although I did notice that he is sitting on a chair made out of wagon wheels and i thought it was interesting yeah. to have him in a wheel chair, chair. of sorts oh yeah yeah uh, i also thought that these kids did a really good job um yeah and yeah I, i'm getting to the point where when i don't notice a child actor i feel like that they've done a good job because when i do mm-hmm. notice it's because usually they're they're cover your eyes bad but apparently these were actual brothers okay uh they were actually twin brothers not identical but fraternal twin brothers uh and they <laughs> When when they were you know, kind of showing them who their you know motivation, they showed him pictures of the cousins, and their thought their first words were, "Are you going to shave our head?" Like they were worried that, that you know <laughs> do we have to be bald. They, uh, and I guess they did. Yeah, no, they had they, pretty short hair there. They did, but it wasn't like you know buzzed. And yeah, then yeah. also, uh, so to make him feel better, they they asked her mom. They got permission to show them the scene where they blow up the truck. And then they thought, huh. that's like, okay, we get it. These are cool dudes. They're not yeah. just bald, old bald men. It'll be cool for me to be <laughs> shaven, for me to be shorn. Yeah, but I thought they did a pretty good job. Uh, they did, yeah. And you can kind of see in um, in Hector's mannerisms there, it looks like he has something wrong with maybe the left side of his body a little bit. He's got kind of a shaky hand, mm. although he, he powers through it to drown his young nephew, you know? <laughs> was his hand shaking because uh, the guy, you know, the kid's head was trying to get from underneath it? Like, no, no, no. It's before that. Okay. Maybe, before he spent, he grabs him. maybe he spent too long trying to get a cold one, you know, as his yeah, some, some, some nerve damage, some frostbite. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then it, it's also nice to see him out of the chair for once, you know? And looking young, and talking, looking fit, and, looking strong. Yeah, looking powerful. Yeah. Like, we've only seen the barely contained fury within this old man's parchment skin. <laughs> the but, drooling fury. Yeah, yeah but, but seeing him back when he was a Don and had real power was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So Jesse gets home after that. We we go to present day. He's about to go inside when Hank pulls up behind him, and Hank just beats the shit out of him. Yep. And then he calls the police, and they take care of it, load him into the, the uh, ambulance and all that. I mean, Hank unleashed is, is terrifying. Yeah. And yeah, he could have beat guy. like he could have beat Jesse to death. Like how many mm-hmm. more punches do you think Jesse takes before he Two. loses an eye? Two. Before he starts suffering brain damage. Like it's yeah. it's pretty pretty gruesome. Those ham fists. <laughs> Not in the bacon gauntlet sense, but just raining down blows. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, yeah, Dean Norris said he was sore. Because they did, like, 15 takes of him pounding this rubber mat in front of the camera. Yeah. And he was going at it, like, every single time. He's like, man, my shoulder the next day was on fire. (laughs) Also, I found out that he is a black belt in Taekwondo. Seriously? Yeah. And he's, up to this point, he claimed on the Insider podcast that he had never used a stuntman. And he was, like, one of the, he's kind of unique in that, you know, Aaron Paul and, and, uh, uh, 
Brian Cranston, of course, make frequent uses of body doubles and stuff when they do their, you know, yeah. various various stunts and stuff. But uh, Hank never had to because I don't know he's a black belt. All right, so that bar <laughs> fight that he gets into earlier, yeah, this season, that's all stuff he was d- all doing. Him. And they were talking about how I, I don't remember I talked about this podcast, but I was listening to it. I think after we recorded it, and he talked about how difficult it was to get that glass to break. Hmm. It was designed glass to break, and they actually smashed this dude's head in it like three or four times. And then Al Goto got in their head sort coordinator. Yeah, yeah. He tried. He like tried to do it, <laughs> and then I think they like just ended up. I don't know somehow mashing it with like a, a bottle or something or some blunt instrument, and then making it look like it broke on camera. But huh. yeah, no, I thought that was cool. He's like a, a legitimately big tough dude. Yeah. Uh, and big tough dude gets told by Merkert that he needs to at some point talk about what's going on here yeah um and what happened then we go over to jesse's hospital but room. It, didn't you think it's interesting that it's clear that they are capable of sweeping this under the rug or at least they're amenable to it yeah yeah i have you know problems with that as a civilian <laughs> yeah i mean i guess that's if you're a policeman then you that's kind of what you do right i it shouldn't be and Hank takes the high road here. Uh-huh. Does the right thing according to him. Um but yeah, I can see where that would happen. I understand the impulse. Sure. You know, if you're dealing with with quote unquote scumbags day in day out, you get yeah. stressed out and you you lose it one day, should a man's career be destroyed because of one mistake? Yeah. Yeah, I I understand the argument. I don't yeah, I no. I, I don't again, like as a civilian, it's but... hard. It's 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 hard to say. Yeah, maybe once a year you get a freebie. <laughs> okay, you get a freebie. Just not on me. <laughs> it's a street justice for one day a year, and then it's like the purge. Every like, there you go. We need a yeah. purge. Like everybody, like you just stay off the fucking street. I don't know what mm-hmm. day it is. We just stay the fuck off the street, and the cops just go rampage. But then you, you got to have your security system in line. You got to have your panic room. Yeah, you gotta have the cops got to buy a bunch of freaking rabbit and wolf masks. Like uh-huh. it's the the costs, <laughs> the hidden costs. Uh, we go to Jesse's hospital room, and Saul is taking a picture of his busted face. Tells him that it's basically his get out of jail free card because you know he's got this over Hank now. And Walt shows up and wants to know what happens now, and Jesse tells him. Here's what happens. I'm going to take every cent that your brother or his wife ever earns, and I'm going to haunt him until he kills himself. Mm. Essentially. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, no, it was... It's a much more impassioned and detailed speech. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and it kept on getting, like, darker. It does, yeah. It almost goes to self-parody, like, by the end, this where he's like, thing. until he sticks a gun up his mouth and blows his brains out to get me out of his head. Yeah, like, I... <laughs> every time this show goes real dark like that, I see Gilligan cackling in the background yeah just like him and his writers in the room just howling yeah like who can come up with the most over the top but but all we need to pull it back is now we've got crossed the line into Ludacrisville. yeah it has to be believable but it also has to be like this is 10 seconds away from being a key and peel sketch yes but they stop it just short Uh uh-huh uh he also says he's gonna start cooking again because he his real get out of jail free card is Heisenberg. Bitch. The identity yeah. of Heisenberg. Yeah, you're my free pass, bitch. And this is one of those bitches that doesn't sound funny to me. Uh-uh. It's menacing. It's yep. threatening. Yep. It's uh, Jesse owning the bitch part of himself, sure. right? The, the part that calls everybody a bitch. Yeah, it's coming into power. Yeah. And then they go out in the hall, and Saul tells Walt that he needs to take this threat seriously, because that was no joke. You talk about options, and suddenly Walt's like, what the fuck? I thought I was... 
I thought I had a nice little white collar career. I put, yeah. I wrote my name on the lunch bag. What's happening? Sure. Got a new assistant who's smart. Now I'm talking about killing killing Jesse, killing my former assistant. My yep. Gosh. Uh, then we get to Hank being deposed by somebody. I'm unclear. He, he's deposed twice in this episode, and I am unclear on exactly who the first set of people are. I don't know who this is. Internal affairs. I feel it? like it's the internal affairs, and maybe the second one is like the attorney general or whoever the prosecutor. The second one they say is OPR, whatever that stands for. Um, mm. I, I think it's like Office of um, something Responsibility. Like they're they're mm. questioning him about like his actions in as a police officer. Yeah, and th- so that's why they take away his badge and his gun at the end of that. Right, right, right. But I don't know who this is. Um, uh yeah I, I, like i said it's some kind of uh internal affairs type branch yeah i imagine there are a lot of people to explain yourself to when something like this happens plus the, i imagine the dea has its own like they're a federal branch so yeah you know it's not just internal affairs at some point the attorney general's department period the justice department is going to get involved and send some guys to talk to you so yeah you'd think so um so he he basically explains everything that happened up until they talk about the beating of Jesse, and then he pleads the fifth. Um, the lawyers say that Jesse's pressing charges, and they take a picture of his hands for evidence. Now, what I thought was brilliant about this is how when he has to put his hands flat on the table, he takes the classic perp stance, where all these cops are <laughs> over him, and he has to put his hands flat on the table. Mm-hmm. And the way it was shot is like you got a perp with his with you know, bent over the hood of a car. Yeah, which we've seen him do to so many people throughout the se- the series so far, uh, thus far, and I mm-hmm. thought it was an intentional like flipping the tables, and now he's he's become the bad guy, and he's let this. That's the tragedy of all this. Like, man, if yeah. he could just fucking hu- hug and cry with Marie <laughs> after he <laughs> killed Tuco, uh, none of this would have ever happened. Uh-huh. But instead, he jams it down until it explodes and ends up almost killing somebody. Yeah, and there there's a lot more to talk about there. Oh yeah. Um, in this uh, next scene, the, the other I think thing, did you is? talk about the fact that Jesse is pissing clean? Oh yeah, he's not on because that's any the thing that's really meds. blowing he's... the cops' minds. Like, oh, well, we'll just say it's our word against a junkie. Well, yeah. he's clean he's and he's refusing junkie. pain meds. He's trying to get his life straight, and you're fucked. I mean, yeah. this is terrible <laughs> from a PR thing. This is terrible. Sure, it's a bad time. Yeah, forget the. I mean, forget the actual ethics of the acts themselves the optics of the situation are terrible yep uh then we go to hank's office where he's packing up his stuff and he walks out past everyone in silence and then he finds marie waiting for him in the elevator he goes inside and when the elevator door shut he starts crying and hugging marie and then when they open back up at the bottom oh, he's back to stone face stone face norris so great uh, and he says, look, we were not talking about this to anyone. And then he goes, oh, Christ, she's already talked about it. <laughs> to who? To Skyler, And then we cut right to Skyler. Yeah. I also want to point out in this scene, I like what they did at the DEA office, where it's super muted and dark, like they forgot to pay the electric bill. Uh-huh. And I know that, like, uh, Aria from uh, the uh, com that, that did uh, a lot of re- kind of the same thing we're doing with their observations. Um, he didn't do one for the season. But he loved to do this, like, you know, the Venetian blinds equals, like, people behind bars. And I thought this scene... <laughs> oh, God damn it. Yeah, mark that shit. 
Oh god, I pulled my shoulder. <laughs> pulled your shoulder, I, sneezing. I, god, haven't you ever done that? Like something deep inside your chest goes. Maybe I, it's just me. I don't know about sneezing, but I've You're done a it. Violent sneezer. Stupid oh, shit. Fuck. Oh god, it hurts so bad. Getting out of a chair and you pull a muscle in your. <sighs> nah, I got shooting pains all the time. Maybe it's a heart attack. A uh, sneeze-induced heart attack. Anyway, I, I thought this was like the archetype of that, that like this man is, you know, not f- fearing the gallows, but certainly fearing losing his job, maybe prison time, hmm. you know, fin- loss of financial independence and the Venetian blinds across his face looking like bars. I thought we were, were right on. Yeah. Uh, so we catch Skyler who shows up at Walt's apartment and she asks if there's anything uh, about Hank's search for the RV that could lead back to him, and he says no, no, and then she asks him to convince Jesse to drop the charges. And he's like, look, we're we're not friends. I, I don't really know this guy. What kind of relationship do you think we have? Um, but something something seeps into him there, and he, you know, he does stuff later on to try to convince him. Uh, and I think it was especially devastating at the end where he's like, she, she says, you know, Hank is family. Hank is family, and you need to do something about this. And he's like, not currently. Mm. <laughs> so a little bit of, of Skylar's actions coming back to bite her too. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what the status is on that currently. Well, I mean, I, but I think, Walt seems to definitely think that they're either on their way out or divorced at this point. But it felt like a cheap shot to me because sure. if you're doing this for your family, mm-hmm. Does Walt consider Hank his family? I mean, I think this is just some cold smack to show Scott to throw Skyler, and I thought it came across as a cheap shot, much like her crime does pay yeah. in the beginning. But that's kind of where they're at in the shit right now. But but cheap shots can land. Yeah, and I think it does here a little bit. It does, but I think it. I don't think Walt believes that. Do you? No, no, I'm with you. Um, I mean, he never like it. It seems like that's the one thing you'd like to insulate his family, and he's always considered Hank and Marie and that embarrassment and. Hank's career in that equation, so... Yeah, and it becomes clear later in the episode how he feels about that. Sure. Um, so, Walt shows up at the lab, and he's ready to work. Um, Gail has already done most of the prep work himself, and Walt kind of just... It d- doesn't look right here, you know? He's not he's not happy. He's not uh, enjoying what he's doing at the moment, but... It's handled, but, but Gail, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he knows he has to do this... And he's gearing himself up to be a dick, but and trying to find a pretext for dismissing him. But Gail's too fucking good. Yeah, he's even changed the dressing, like he's he's chilled on the Brickenstocks and the khaki shorts, and he's going he's he's going with the you know the Walt Junior look. He's like hand and glove. Is he's he, like is he United Podcast. We're, we're we're more hand and shoe, I think. But hand and shoe, yeah, just not quite the right fit. Hmm. It's like you know, there's this. It's it's not exactly uh, <laughs> anticipatory professionalism here at the Baldwin <laughs> Studios. Um, but no, I just man, I felt bad for Walt because he's like, man, this isn't going to be easy. To uh, to what get him out? Yeah, to dismiss him on to have a. Cr- a what do you call that? Uh, 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 grounds for termination? Mm-hmm. You know, because he's got ultimately someone else to answer to, Gus. He's got to make this case to Gus. And Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit more when we get to the phone call um, between Gus and Walt. Sure. Because I, I want to know what you think about Gus's decision to allow Walt to do what he does and why why that all happens. But we'll talk to talk about it when we get there. Um. 
and and Gail, you know, Gail's oblivious and Gail's happy go lucky most of the time. And yeah, he's like, oh, this might be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And then you can I almost he, see the annoyance on Walt's face there. But I, oh, I don't think it's annoyance. It's more like just kind of dread. And also, I felt like that. Um, Gail started to feel a different energy, but he's trying oh, to, sure. you know, sweep it under the rug with mm-hmm. with all this talk of being hand in glove and beautiful friendship and all that. Yeah. Uh, so then we go to the cousins arriving in an empty parking lot where there's a guy with a truck full of weapons. And they go inside. They test out one of the bulletproof vests by shooting the guy in the chest because he's wearing one. And then they leave a bunch of money on top of him uh, as he complains about a broken rib. Man, I was just talking about how excellent the extra level talent on this show is. And then this, this character, fucking guy, man. <laughs> I, and, and the writers didn't do him any favor because what no. they had him talking about yeah. is not possible to make. Like, But <laughs> they needed some guy that's a little bit more oblivious and skeezy. I, I don't know what was missing here, but I did not buy any bit of his performance. Yeah, and, I viewed him as like a meth trucker. You know, like he's hopped up on something. He's talking a mile a minute. He's trying to get out of here so he can go pee on somebody. I, but that's just, he's a... Uh, I know, it was over the top, certainly. I, I mean, for this guy to be as established to do what he does and being like some kind of speed trucker, I don't know. And the fact that he's completely oblivious to the danger of these guys until it happens and... <laughs> You know, the fact that these cousins are like taking a pretty big chance that they shoot this guy and disrespect him right in his own truck while he's got like Terminator levels of guns that he could bring to bear if he really wanted to. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. nobody wants to kill anybody in that situation because then, you know, mm-hmm. obviously that leaves a lot of bodies. But Sure. Yeah. And, and the cousins have been busy leaving them all season long. So at some point you got to start thinking like, OK. We don't need to kill everyone we meet. Well, I was thinking of the fate of this guy. I don't think he's driving that big rig with a broken rib, for one. Oh, I sure he does. <laughs> Trust me, I've tried to turn a steering wheel with a broken <laughs> rib, and it's brutal. No, nah, man, this guy's got, he's 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 a Arnold, he, he's a <laughs> Sylvester Stallone aficionado. He's got his rig set up just like the uh, uh-huh. over the top. He works yeah. that thing every day. He's got, he's got arms and chest like a beast. <laughs> You couldn't tell right. because it's under the it's covered by the I'm, vest. I'm thinking he's got to go to the hospital at some point. <laughs> <sighs> Truckers with health insurance. What, what does the he fuck? tell him? What, what's kind of, what kind of fiction are you spending now? <laughs> all right, all right, fine. Discredit that all you want. <laughs> uh, but the most important thing in this scene is they toss him a hollow point bullet. Um, the the guy tosses one to the cousins and says, "Hey, it's a sample." Those black talon cop killer jobs. Yeah. Uh, so the next scene, Walt gets angry about Gail setting the wrong temperature on some vat of chemicals they're cooking up, and he has him dump the whole thing. Uh, I can't tell if Walt actually means what he's doing here. Like, does he actually want the temperature set at 85, or is he literally just making a big deal about this so that he has a reason to fire Gail? I think he told him deliberately the wrong temperature. Gail wrote down the wrong temperature, and he came back with the right one. No, because the thing is, is Gail cooked before? Yeah, but because I can only I mean, see we him know. telling we saw him, him the wrong temperature montage. earlier today. Like nah. he wouldn't have told him the wrong temperature previously, and if Gail was writing stuff down, he would have already known the correct temperature. And Walt says seventy-five. He would have said, "Isn't that eighty-five? Well, no. also we know. I mean, this is kind of spoilery, I guess, but we also know from later on that one of the things about being a top-tier meth cook, like what separates the Waltz from the Jessies, is. 
you know chemistry is at such an intimate level that you can ac- uh, account for like ambient temperature differences and humidity and like the the imperfections in, a, in, in the an yield. underground temperature controlled <laughs> like completely climate controlled no, I'm saying, but, but positive pressure room i'm really? just saying that he goes off on a rant at some point in the series where he asks like do you know how to account for this and then this and what if you're doing this instead of this and what sure. if this happens so like you know if it was just as simple as here's a recipe cook it gail would be done after the first thing that that that, that walt teaches him so i feel like yeah. that's plausible that he could have told him a detail wrong and then you know knowing that would ru- ruin the cook because that, that's the other thing is if he said it was 80 if it was really supposed to be 75 or 85 mm-hmm. and he just you know flushed down to 50 gallons like gail being a chemistry student i think would go home and do the homework and be like oh no that actually was right what the fuck Whereas if he just like, oh, I guess I wrote it down wrong and it did ruin the batch. I feel like he's going to work this out. He's going to go home with his lab notebook and, you know, go to work oh, with, yeah. with a slide it. rule and like, yo, yeah, that really did ruin the batch. <laughs> so, if, so, so Walt, what he did is I think he deliberately told him the wrong number. Hmm. It's five minutes of conversation okay. that I don't know if anyone cares about. Yeah. But. And I don't know that I buy it in the end, but <laughs> all right. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think we're supposed to understand that Walt is reaching here. This is desperation. Absolutely. Yeah. That I get. I just, I was wondering where the point of conflict was here, mm. you know? Gotcha. Uh, so Hank gets up to be deposed again. Looking um, like a TV weatherman. Yeah. He's getting all dressed up. He's fancy. Uh, Marie tells him to say that Jesse attacked him first. Yeah. And Hank's like, no, 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 I can't do that. And finally, he opens up and he talks to her about the how he's been feeling, the panic attacks uh, ever since, you know, he killed Tuco, that sort of stuff. Um, and I thought it was interesting how the, the focus of the shot hangs on Marie the whole time that Hank is describing this, getting her reaction to what he's saying versus him saying it. Because we already kind of know how he's been feeling and why, right? Yeah, and I thought also it's another chance. You know, Betsy Brandt doesn't get a lot of chances to shine in the series, and I think she did really good work here. Yeah. And and also the fact that, you know, she sees this as one mistake, which is kind of what we talked about in the beginning, whereas Hank is self-aware enough to realize that, no, this all started with me offing Tuco. Yeah, it's been a slow breakdown. I, I, I shouldn't have had a problem with that. He deserved it. I was justified. But, you know, taking human life is some heavy shit. And then I had to El Paso getting, and it just getting shot at with a, a machine gun is some heavy shit. No, too. that's what I'm yeah. saying. And then like all the things he's been through and instead of like, again, talking about it and dealing with it as a yeah. human being, he just retreated further into his He-Man Terminator role. And then El Paso. Yeah, that's that's fucked right there. <laughs> yeah. And the, and, and the stress of maybe having to go back and, mm. and then also the dealing with. I mean, that's interesting because Dean Norris actually talks pretty eloquently about the state of masculinity in America right now where hmm. we are caught between these two ideals of we're supposed to be these caring, uh, you know, husbands and boyfriends and fathers and, and, and deal emotionally and be emotionally available. But we also are pressured by society to be these, you know, guys that provide for the family and protect the family. And, um, you can see both sides of that in this show too. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that, that is more and more in the modern world, not, a compromise that's working that, mm-hmm. that, you know, we have to really examine these, these concepts of masculinity and whether they are useful to, to all segments of society. And I thought it was like a really good conversation. And I thought what they're doing here and dealing with this guy, um, I, I, you know, again, who saw this coming with season one, Hank, 
Yeah, who was all racist jokes and meathead, you know, yeah, uh, rip and roll bust and stuff. I mean, it's I, I, I just thought it was incredible this this whole scene where he didn't quite break down, but I mean, as far as uh, Hank goes, this could be him sobbing. (laughs) Sure, no, I this is as open as Hank has ever been, um, with someone else, you know, and also the fact that he's. The success he's had in his job has led him to the point and where he's so emotionally compromised that he cannot be a cop anymore, which I think is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at least in the police officers I've known, that's kind of like, you know, you, you think of like the great athletes when it's time to hang it up, how much sure. trouble they have. Like, this is my identity. I see myself as this thing and I'm no longer that thing. Mm-hmm. Now he's got this on top of this other mess that he's got for himself in his in, in his uh uh his psyche it's he, he's just a mess man yeah and no, then this fucking mess. episode i i know it's like he's being jerked around from every angle like th- this thing with jesse is hanging over his head oh my god i made this mistake i'm probably going to jail all that stuff and then jesse drops the charges at the end only to have him smiling going down the elevator and coming out to the parking lot where he's shot yeah, i i was rewarded times. by the universe <laughs> For doing uh-huh. the right thing, yeah, it paid off. Nope. Yeah, yeah, it's the this this man, the crucible he's put in is is insane. Yeah, and it's made worse by the fact that they caught him while he was buying flowers for his wife. Purple on the way flowers, home. yeah, sure. Ah, fucking poor. There Hank. again, another commentary on what it means to be a man. What's masculine? Well, taking multiple bullets to the chest, I guess. And going down like a. I mean, that's that's fucked up. Is that what it means to be a man? I don't know. Killing dudes before they kill you? two other guys, yeah. I mean, that's almost like an animal instinct. Sure. Uh, Walt calls Gus to tell him that Gail is not working out and that he thinks they should bring in Jesse to cook again. Uh, Gus says no until Walt presses the issue about it being his lab and knowing best how to run it and you promised and all this shit. Roll surprisingly tough on Gus. I know, and why does Gus allow this to happen? Why does he get steamrolled into allowing Jesse back into the lab when he doesn't, he clearly doesn't trust Jesse, and I think at this point he's trying to get a replacement for Walt after this three months is up, right? Well, I mean, that's something we've been discussing in the spoiler section, and I'll have to confess, I think we need to to, to probe that further in the spoiler section, because I have a lot of ideas um but you know they they're all based on stuff i know about what's happening in the future all right well i'll pull that out then hold on let me make a note to specifically what is this plan okay so why does Gus allow walt to do this to him why does he give in allow jesse back into the lab I think at this point, from Walt's perspective, we're to assume that this product is so good that the Super Lab perhaps needs that purity to be successful in the quantities they're talking about. Oh, it does. Yeah. I mean, he that makes that sense. Like, episode. you know, we've talked about, I don't know if we've I've talked about it in this thing, but the way, you know, drugs work is the higher the base potency the more you can cut and step it on it and all that crap or what, uh, or, you know, it's not just, I think in the real world, what would happen is you make meth this good, then you can dilute it and still have effectiveness and make more money. It's not that mm. you can have like a designer meth that people will buy preferentially because this is, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, but 
but I think that works if you the real world ec- economics is like if you can make a product's ninety nine point one percent pure, then that's going to save on your materials cost. That's going to allow you to stretch it on the sure. You know, but I mean, Walt doesn't Walt doesn't threaten to not cook here. All he's saying is it's my lab. I know how the, to run it. Gail isn't doing, but that's the implicit the right threat, job, right? If you don't give me the thing, you've spent all this time and money accumulating this thing, and you've got me as the uh, as the 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 brain child of this whole thing. If you don't give me what I want and what I need, then how are you going to get that superior product? Like it is an implicit. Tell threat. him, look, I fucking I hired you to do a job. Now get it done. Make Gale be the assistant you need him but to be. But for what, like, you know, for whatever reason. Gus just doesn't, Gus gets rolled tough here and doesn't fight back at all, as but far as I can tell. But that's been his theme all season long. Gus is taking a light touch with Walt for whatever reason, and we've speculated about why, Yeah, you know, you know when he even said, like, I don't see threats as a useful way to motivate my people. I mean, he's talking like a... A manager and not a a a kingpin of a, a drug in a burgeoning drug empire. Sure, I, I think it's telling that it's when burgeoning. Walt brings up your Gus's promise. You know, like you you said that this would be my lab to run the way I wanted, and Gus is a man of his word. We know that much. Uh, I think that's part of it too. Like Gus Gus's character is being called into question here. And so maybe Walt gets into his head a little bit with that comment. Maybe. But Gus is clearly committed to having Walt's superior product for three months and to train an assistant. Yeah. Now, dismissing the assistant is where, you know, that that plan goes out the window because you got to think that Gus can't be comfortable with actually making Jesse, like, He's a junkie. bee cook. Again, yeah. I mean, that's stuff like, yeah, I mean, I, lots of stuff to say about that's in the spoiler section. Okay. All right, we'll leave it there then. Um, Walt then goes to Jesse to tell him that he needs a new lab assistant and Jesse calls him out on his ploy to save Hank. He's like, look, I know what you're doing. I'm not fooling anybody. So instead, Walt offers to make him a 50, 50 partner, a million and a half dollars. And Jesse still turns it down. And it's not because he's turning down the money. He's turning down Walt. And I could not be happier to see this go down the way it did. And isn't this a cool inverse of the scene between Gus and Frank or Gus and Walt where Gus is trying to get Walt back to cook for transparently manipulative reasons. Even Walt says, I know what you're doing, Uh but Walt's flaws is, you know, his pride and his intelligence being insulted combined to, you know, with his kind of desperation at not having a family. Whereas Jesse you know, he says it. I've lost everything because of you. He's essentially telling Walt, give me a reason to believe for it to all be worth something. If you tell me that I'm not a worthless sack of shit, then I will have something. <laughs> and Walt sees that and opportunity and takes it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's I another, know. I mean, it's because we talked about how Walt kind of takes fetishes from the drug, uh, from, from the villains that he runs up against. And like, you know, Gus doing this naked manipulation and making it work for him is a little bit of that because I, I did feel like this is the exact same scene, much more emotional because Jesse's a much more emotional, passionate young man than Walt. But this was Gus trying to make Walt cook against his will. This is now Jesse mm-hmm. Walt trying to make Jesse cook against his will. And it goes down exactly the same. I mean, at the in the yeah. end, the person gets what they want. Yeah, uh, and all it takes from Walt is just saying. Your meth is just as good as mine. That's it. Boom. And Jesse's back on the phone saying, yeah, I'll cook. Uh, and I think, like, there's I, so do, much... Do you think he means it? 
Do you think he means it in that moment? Is Jesse Smith as good as Waltz? Was he just prideful and stubborn and angry before when he said, you're shit and you always will be shit? I've always thought that, yeah. Okay. That he was tearing I think so too, Jesse yeah. down because he felt threatened and he yeah. felt small in that moment and he had been feeling powerful. And now that he has a clear head, it's he's realizing, yeah, okay. You're well, good plus, it's I think it's he's using the truth to get what he wants from Jesse. Yes, he also wants to calm him down so he won't go after Hank. I sure there's a lot of play here, but I feel like this is a somewhat honest moment between Walt and Jesse. I mean, it's fucked up that it's in the mo- <laughs> midst of emotional blackmail, right? Uh huh. That's why it's so. That's why it works too, to, right? It's why it's so hard to call these guys relationship because I know you have these honest moments, but they're also is in the middle of like. You know, it's like every time you start feeling for sorry for Jesse, you find out that Jesse's fucking Walt just as hard uh-huh. and taking this just it has just a negative view of him just in a, you know, he views him as this square from his street smart persona. And like they both have this kind of weird contempt for each other. But on the other hand, they also have this very real affection yeah. and twisted love for each other, too. So, I wish I knew more about Walt's father. Ooh, yeah. Like, hmm. I, you know, I, I could have really There's a used, flashback that could have happened. I could have really used a Walt's <laughs> dad flashback because that uh-huh. really probably maybe made it everything too on the nose. Maybe. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he gets that call from Jesse um, accepting Walt's offer. And uh, it it looks like there's maybe something else on Jesse's mind here. After he makes his phone call, he's kind of staring into the middle distance. Looks like maybe he's thinking up a scheme or something. Really? I thought Can't it was, was going on an exactly. ironic, you know, him falling upon the universal pain scale indicator. And he, his <laughs> eyes fall into 10, which is described as like yeah. the worst pain ever. And he is, is feeling this uh, emotional pain. I mean, this is uh, all oh, kinds man, of pain. He, everything he's cared about. Like when we met him, he just wanted to get high and fuck MILFs. <laughs> and uh, and, and bangs and skins, yeah, you know, and his band twat hammer, and then he got a girlfriend. All that stuff is gone, man. Uh-huh. All that stuff is gone. He doesn't his even fancy get the, car is gone. Everything. He's driving a shitty t- uh, Toyota. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, he's got a house, but he doesn't have a relationship with his family at all anymore. Right. I mean, he burnt <laughs> his the final bridge with his family by getting that house. So yeah, he's. Yeah. He's really a shell of the of of himself, and he wants some meaning, mm-hmm. and Walt's there to give it to him. Indeed, uh, Hank's being deposed by another set of lawyers once again. Uh, they kind of look over his prepared statement here and question whether he wants to sign it. He says, "Yep, I want to sign it," and so he's suspended by Merkert without pay. Mm-hmm. Don't know for how long. Probably indefinitely. Well, probably until the investigation's complete. Yeah. Which, uh, who knows how long that'll which, take. Yeah, I mean, if, if if Jesse... The way things are going with this statement and the evidence, uh, and, and uh, you know, like how we said, how it looks, this, this junkie that's trying to clean up his life, and now the DEA goes and beats the piss out of him with no proof. Mm-hmm. Because if they find that, we know it's a burner cell phone, they're never going to tie that back to Pinkman. Yeah. Hank has no evidence. It's just his word that he showed up that junkyard and he saw it there anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, it's open. It's a slam dunk. Uh, I feel like yeah. he never gets a job back, and he probably goes to prison. The only evidence is Jesse's face and Hank's knuckles, right? I mean, and those are damning. Yeah, <laughs> and then you know he called up the police, and they all showed up on the scene, and and now Hank that's says, the "Yes, they found this him is in. exactly how it happened." And yeah. maybe you can feel sorry for me because I'm honest and I came clean. <laughs> and also, this was a fucked up situation, but sure. the law doesn't care. No, law's not going to care. Sorry, he's probably not going to go to prison. 
Well, I mean, it sounds like, you know, Jesse's dropping the charges anyway. So. Well, that's what I'm saying, but, like, yeah. even if he hadn't, I feel like that the hmm. odds of him going to jail are pretty Just gets slim. fired. Yeah. I mean, he might even get acquitted. I But who, with the, you know, there's, a, there's a, like, this is this criminal trial, and then you got the civil trial? Like, I, I don't know, but I just doubt he goes to jail for beating up Jesse Pinkman. Yeah, well, he's gonna lose every cent he ever earns and blow his brains out by the end of it. Yeah, after he scrub, you know, spends all day scrubbing toilets in Tijuana. <laughs> in Tijuana sure, <laughs> the worst toilets, by the way. Sure, like, if you're gonna scrub toilets Tijuana, in one place, yeah, that's not the place to do they it. They finish in the bottom every year in the world bathroom rankings. It's, yeah, and it's burritos all day. It's burritos. I mean, and you gotta big, imagine <laughs> big donkey shits and illegal fireworks. Oh yeah, it's, it's a bad hellscape there. in those bathrooms. <laughs> Uh, so he goes out in the hall and Merkert stops him to, uh, tell him that he's heard Pinkman isn't pressing charges and it kind of lightens his mood as he steps in the elevator. You know, he's got a hint of a smile on his face. He's looking a little relieved and then he stops to buy flowers for Marie. And once he's in the parking lot, he, he gets a phone call when he's in his car from someone who's got their voice disguised and says two men are coming to kill him. And Oh, what do you know? Here come the cousins and he does battle with him, and he gets shot several times before he kills, definitely kills one and smashes the other between two cars, at least shattering his pelvis. Hmm. Uh, and I like how he instinctively reaches for his gun when he first hears there. about this. It's not there. You got no defense, man. It's like the phantom vibrations. I used to, when I have to carry a cell phone 24-7, oh, yeah, like yeah. I'd start to feel my phone vibrate even when it wasn't <laughs> in my pocket or there. Like that's, it's like, you know, it's like I feel in danger. I go... It must be weird. It must be weird for the policeman to like retire and no longer carry a gun. Sure. Yeah. I mean, just like, I don't know. I I can imagine like, what if you're a retired policeman and you see crimes being committed? I'm sure you have like friends who you could call up and say, hey, look, I just witnessed something real shady going on. But like, you can't really do anything about them. I don't know. I feel like it just depends on, I don't know. It depends (laughs) on the person. A little, uh. And it depends on the crime too. Like you see, Citizens like just a drug deal action. go down. Like I bet, like I've I've talked to my buddy uh, who serves on the IMPD, and I'm like, you know, like you're in Florida. Like, what kind of jurisdiction do you really have? And I guess they pretty much like if they see crimes go down off duty or not, they are empowered us. But it's like you know, you're down in your family in Florida, and you see someone dealing a bag of weed, like whatever. Do you want to go bust them? No, yeah. someone speeding, break up your vacation. Someone to- beating, like a man beating a woman. Okay. Probably step in. Even I, I as think a, really anybody yeah, should, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's that's probably what you should do is if you're empowered by the state, even if you're retired or whatever, then yeah, I th- I think you're I think you do. Yeah. Uh this is a really, really tense scene here. Um from the moment he gets that phone call, mm-hmm. you're you're thinking, is this actually gonna happen? We kinda know that there are two men after him anyway, these cousins. Right. Um and we see them arming up at the beginning. We know some bad shit's about to go down. And it's it's super tense. Did you notice that the when the one minute began, it was three oh seven, which is this uh-huh. episode number. Oh yeah, and then when it when when yeah, and so it's like end of three oh seven, three oh eight begins now. Yeah, <laughs> presumably. Yeah, and it's you know bookended. This episode is bookended by those one minute ideas. Yep, yep. I thought it was pretty cool. cool. Um, but I don't know. There was a lot of interesting practical things like uh, the younger of the Moncada brothers, Daniel, uh, 
he they rigged up some kind of brake. So he actually was kneeling in the trunk of the car. They got rammed by Hank's car and they built up some kind of brace to support his body so he could actually get rammed. Yeah. But he I did hearing about this. Yeah. He it, and it really looks convincing. Like, yeah. wow, he does. And then they back in. You can see him get backed into other cars like, damn, how they do that. Yeah. Um, it's cool. But very you don't, cool. You don't see a lot of like pain on his face. You know, he's still kind of the cool calculated killer that he was before he got smashed. I thought it was really Luis did a good job of showing, like, concern for his brother, flashing back to the beginning of the episode, kind of. Like, that started to reinforce until his brother's like, nope, finish this guy, or Terminado, or whatever he says, and and that that then you could see the mask fall back over. Yeah, and it, it, so what did you think about him going to get the axe instead of just finishing him? Like, too easy. I I thought it was... I felt, it worked only because of the flashback scene. And also... Where family is everything, and he wants revenge on this guy now for smashing up his brother. Well, I mean, he already wanted revenge, but yeah, it's like, I... But now it's in the moment revenge, you know? It's like... Yeah. It's not this calculated thing from weeks ago. It's Plus, I, I feel like the, the other reason, and then, you know, again, I'm kind of chagrined to admit this, but all the things they did to these characters leading up to this allowed me to buy this... You know Hollywood moment in in and mm. Breaking Bad, um, and and not call that much attention to. It. It's like, of course he's going to go back and get his Chromax uh-huh. when this guy is incapacitated. You're going to die slow, you fuck, uh-huh. because what you did to Tuco and my little brother. Yeah, and it, you know they're shooting random people in the parking lot. That was crazy like, too. Like, do you think this is a suicide mission? Like, they didn't care where they lived or died. Which that's I, a good question. Because how the hell do you get away? Like even if you, you got su- imagine even police if you're successful, coming. there's going. You just shot a police officer, yeah. and you shot a bunch of civilians. What the hell? Yeah, that lady with groceries, and who... you're in like a mall or whatever. Like that's that's a hard thing to get out of. Like I, yeah, it seems surprising that they would do that because they also you'd think want to kill. You know, like what was he? Th- what was he thinking? What was the the cousin thinking? Your brother's there incapacitated. Are you going to just leave him? Are you going to wait for the cops to show up? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a timer on this. Do you want to get Heisenberg at some point in the future? Yeah, or if do so, you just you want this axe kill right now? Sure, he takes a sweet ass time, and I, I think maybe it was a suicide mission. Maybe they didn't care at that point. Yeah, or he just wasn't thinking. Like I'd buy. Yeah, that he was so those- angry with. What happened? It seems like that's, you know, um, maybe that's their their fatal weakness. If you can get them to feel emotion. <laughs> they don't uh, know how to deal with no, it. No, they don't. They've been suppressing it for so what, long. What is this feeling? Uh, all right. And that's I, I got a question to ask that we can ponder without spoiling anything. Doesn't this all look incredibly suspicious for Hank? What do you mean? I mean... He is beating the shit out of this random drug guy, and then he gets off the hook, and then he immediately faces reprisals from the Mexican cartel. Doesn't it look like Hank's kind of like a dirty cop that's gotten caught up in the middle of something? Like, I'm, I'm thinking of this from hmm. other DEA guys. Like, he's turned down his El Paso gig. He went down there, and he's the sole survivor or sole person uninjured in this thing. Like... I wonder if Mercurt or, or Gomi or somebody, if, if I remember wondering at the time, um, and I know there's a lot of speculations about maybe Hank is dirty that, that happens later on. And I'm just wondering if you look at all the things that happened coincidentally to this guy, it looks like he is in the middle of something big that he might be covering up. 
Yeah, I suppose you could see that. And he is in the middle of something big, bigger than he knows, certainly. Right. It's just he's not a part of it, right? Like he he's not in on the whole thing. But it look like you can see from an but outside yeah, angle if if, so. if someone turned him on to that, it'd be easy to start seeing where you know, it looks like he has a, a criminal criminal background or he's somehow like, you know what, maybe start thinking yeah, about this. The- we watched Animal Kingdom and mm-hmm. that movie had um you know this one scene where a dirty cop hires a hit on a witness protection it's just a screw up yeah well, what hap- what happens if that same so it's like that's kind of suspicious so what happened that guy was involved in four separate incidents like that within the space of 6 months uh-huh. that's kind of Hank Schrader all this weird yeah. extra legal stuff he's doing that's kind of inexplicable to the other agents i wonder if that's going to be something going forward I ask in mock curiosity. Uh, yeah, like I wonder. I wonder about like Jesse's involvement. Like if he were a bigger player, maybe in the cartel or something. Like if he if he had gone in and beaten and we the don't shit know. out of Gus Spring, sure, you could totally see a revenge hit. For yes, that, right. Like oh, uh, Hank must have you know not gotten his way somewhere, and when he beats Gus Spring, like they come after him. Or yeah, he was he's working for one drug lord and he's yeah. the enforcer, and then the other drug lord finds out and he gets off. It gets fixed because you know the the higher ups and the Godfathers pull strings, but then the other guy. I mean, like I said, it just looks like he's caught up in this inexplicable violence yeah. that centers around him. Yeah, any kind of and he's getting his crazy tip offs. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you're looking yeah. for your naked brother and you just happen upon like one of the most infamous <laughs> drug lords and have a shootout. It's like. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I, I I think it's an interesting thing to ponder is like if that's going to be a further, uh, you, you know, and I, one thing I, was, I remember thinking, is this going to be back when um, we wondered whether Hank was going to get involved in his brother's criminal enterprise? Like, yeah, you know, at a certain point, if you look dirty and you're facing the consequences of being dirty, mm-hmm. at what point does the moral calculus shift to like, well, fuck, if I'm going to get all this shit anyway, I might as well. Get a cut. Yeah, get get my cut. Sure. I think that's like one of the things like, you know, as you're applying a pressure, this I always wondered, are they gonna make him break bad? Is it gonna be more than one mm-hmm. lots of people break bad in the show? Sure. They can get Marie in there, uh doing sure. burglaries. Well, petty we, theft. Walt Jr., man. <laughs> we know he's gonna get up on the Chris. That's gonna be one of the yep. the come up and for Walt, he's gonna get hooked on the sky blue. <laughs> Start baby Holly up early. <laughs> uh, yeah, but all good questions to think about as you go into the final half of this season. Hey, I just want to take a brief time before we get the feedback to remind people about our club at club.baldmove.com and also um, our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com. The reality is the only way you're able to listen to our coverage of Breaking Bad Season 3 is because we're doing this as a full-time job. When we were doing this as the hobby that it used to be, uh, you know, just for funsies, we wouldn't have the time. Uh, so if you do enjoy our coverage of uh, our filler coverage, not filler, it makes it sound like it's uh Yeah, it's like frivolous. packing peanuts. Fuck yeah. that. This, yeah. is, this show isn't packing peanuts. This isn't bubble wrap. No. Uh, if, if you enjoy uh, us, our retrospective... Our, our complete catalog of Breaking Bad that we're able to do because we, we are full-time because of your generous support, and you haven't done so already, please consider uh, going to the club at club.baldmove.com where you can get ad-free podcasts. You never get to hear us you know whine about this stuff again. Uh, you can get uh, live video casts, a bunch of other fun stuff, access to VIP sections of the forums, etc. 
Uh, or if you don't want to bother with all that, if you're shopping on Amazon, it helps out a lot. Amazon.ballboove.com. It costs you nothing, and we get a cut of that action. It's where like a third of our revenue comes from, people just using their Amazon link. So either of those two methods will keep us podcasting, keep everybody happy, and we appreciate all of your support. We do have feedback. If you'd like to send us feedback, you can do so at breakinggood@ballmove.com. Uh, and again, please, if you can, put the show that you're talking about, uh, the title and the number in the subject line so I can easily sort through and find it. That would help me out a lot. Jim F. writes in and says, I think we can all agree that Breaking Bad is probably one of the most cinematic TV shows of all time. I believe that Aaron once described the show as being a love letter to Albuquerque in New Mexico, to which I very much agree. The last scene of this episode is a great example with the New Mexico landscape in the background. Do you think that this is the most cinematic TV show of all time? If not, what would each of you say? What hmm. do you think, Jim? From one Jim to another. Yeah. Give, uh, give it to him straight. I mean, I'm biased because I love this show so much, but um, I, I think you could make a good argument that this is one of the... So, I, I mean, defining cinematic, right? I mean, cinematic to me is kind of a stylistic thing where they it, it's it's all about the art with which they deliver the scene to you hmm. see i always think there's a little bit of format there too like i the the more extreme aspect ratios mm-hmm. i associate with more cinematic like lawrence of arabia that big 70 millimeter print is screaming cinematic you can only do for 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 the first 40 years of that film's life you could only get some of the effects that they were trying to achieve on the on the cinema screen in fact if you watch it on the television screen a lot of those scenes are just you don't even know what the hell they're trying to say yeah that so problems with that where they like you know they they take it down do the pan and scan because people are too far apart i'm talking like in particular there's like a three minute sequence where you result you are watching a speck in the on on the distance resolve into a man on a camel and it's this big cathartic moment in the film and it just doesn't fucking work on a conventional television screen yeah but imagine if like I, i don't know um any standard TV show, like a, a comedy or something, sure, just shot over the shoulder, standard television shots with this beautiful seventy millimeter okay, film. Sure. It would be You're complete right. bullshit. In, in right? fact, it would look terrible because you'd have all this wasted space and. But, sure, but I, I wouldn't I was, add anything. I, I think it's the the flair with which you present. I was driving to that point just to like dismiss out of hand the wire one of my favorite shows as not being cinematic because uh, it was intended to be a four, three standard def from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I know they've done the remastered version, um, but even still it was shot to recreate this intimate kind of um, almost voyeuristic CCTV. And, you know, David Simon's not even really fully on board with the, the project, but uh-huh. uh I I don't ever, and I'm not saying that the wire doesn't have some nice boom shots and tracking shots and some inspired night shots. It's just not the focus. It's right? just not the cinema. <laughs> no, it, it doesn't feel golden age television in that respect. Um, whereas like Deadwood, I, I guess like huh. I'm a sucker for scenery, so like you know Deadwood seems cinematic to me. Yeah. Um, the True Detective season one was really cinematic. Firefly is pretty cinematic. Hmm. I mean, we're probably using the word cinematic wrong. We probably are. I, I think people understand we need, uh, what we mean. 
We need Jason uh, and Sion from <laughs> uh-huh. the Nattercast or Shane the Bowman to come set us straight. But yeah, the, what, what I'm talking about cinematic, and it seems like what Jim F is too, is these these sweeping kind of like you know this this feels like something you'd see in a movie and less sure. like a television. A lot show. of camera movement, some inventive shots. Uh, to me, yeah, Firefly and Breaking Bad do a lot of that. Game of Thrones does that. The pilot of Lost is cinematic. I don't think the show itself is. You're right. Like, it's You're shot right. in a completely different style than the rest of the show. Well, of course, I've only seen the first two seasons, um, and then I bailed. But, but yeah, I, I, Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. very cinematic. Yep. I'm trying to think of others that, um, I mean, was it like Fargo? Fargo was I think pretty. Fargo was, yeah. But, Fargo definitely was. But also, it's like, is it cinematic because it's so closely aped the style and aesthetic from Fargo, which is an actual film yeah. of some, you know, repute? Probably. Uh, what about something like Justified? That was more standard yeah. TV stuff. Justified is awesome for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't describe it as cinematic. No. Uh, Leftovers? Leftovers isn't. It's it's fairly standard television stuff. I mean, stuff. almost anything that's HBO prestige feels cinematic is because it's so <laughs> well made, like Boardwalk Empire. Like, uh-huh. like, and, and I'm also thinking, like, there's a certain amount of, like, Anytime you start manipulating the colors sure. and like you get the different saturation and hues and stuff, like when they start doing a post-processing, it makes it feel more cinematic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the old school, like even with, with Mad Men, uh, when they went from film to digital, it's like they were able to, with a lot of filters and post-processing, retain that film grain kind of feel. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you could, de- I, it's, it's hard for me to say, I mean, this is, this is hard for me to do any kind of like top five list. Like, you know, uh-huh. well, we were just debating whether like Godfather has definitively taken over the top spot personally uh, from like Empire Strikes Back, which up until I was 25, I'd say it's my favorite movie of all time. Now Godfather's like, I want to say yeah. it. But also there's like the little boy in me is like, yeah, but our Empire though. <laughs> but Empire though. Uh, you're not going to abandon Empire, are yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, I, it's, it's hard for me to say, but it's, it's surely it's in the top five. It's got to It's be. in the top three, maybe even. Yeah, I mean, the, the stuff that they're doing in this show, I've never seen in other shows. You know, like Shovel Cam and... But like even all, that, all like some cool of that stunt things. stuff kind of comes across a little bit uh, uh, cranked. Like a some of that bit. extreme stuff. And like, do, like I wouldn't call Crank cinematic. And... Crank is like an MTV music video. Sure, sure. Uh, but then they do time-lapse stuff, and they do these the sweeping landscapes. And uh, a lot of, I, I don't know, it helps that feeling when they do a lot of distant shots. Yeah. Of kind of, um, I don't know, either characters or action or whatever. Because, again, they're intentionally aping, like, Western cinema. Like, yeah. standoffs and... Mm-hmm. And, and I'm specifically thinking of like Jesse and Walt sitting in the desert after a cook. Sure, and the cameras pulled way back, and you kind of just see chairs, them yeah. basking in their their what fortune a, here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A lot, a lot of stuff like that. So, All right, uh, I'm I'm excited. Uh, good, good question. I hope we got a satisfactory answer. Uh, we've got two more in the spoiler section, but that will have to wait till the spoiler section again. Okay, you like to give us feedback? Uh, Breaking good at baldmove.com is where it's at, or at the forums at forums at baldmove.com. You could also get on there. But otherwise, we've got some, otherwise, we've got some spoiler stuff to talk about. Yeah, just a little bit, probably. But uh, if you're into that kind of thing, stick around after the music. If you're not, we'll see you next time. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. 
And we're back with the spoiler section. I uh, got a couple of uh, spoiler emails that were sent in, and just a reminder: if I didn't, if I haven't read a certain email that you sent for a particular episode, um, keep in mind that we recorded these out of sequence and like in advance, so it could be that uh, we just haven't gotten into stream of time and caught up with it. So uh, sometimes we have time to drop this stuff in episodes. Sometimes we don't. So don't don't give heart or don't don't give up or think I've I've skipped your email uh, until the season's over, and then it's too late to do anything about it. So, um, first up is Andrea P. Andrea P. Andrea P. Uh, she we she has something to say about our discussion for the sunset spoiler section. Oh, okay. Uh, where we're talking about um, you know what Gail like what Gus's long term plan was, and she had mm. some reminders mm-hmm. for us. Says Gail seems like the perfect chemist for Gus, but in retrospect, he wasn't suited for what we learned was Gus's master plan. Gail could not have been taken to Mexico to cook for the cartel and help murder them. From what Gus mm. knew of Walt at the time, he may have seemed like a good choice to take to Mexico. He had a greater knowledge than the cartel chemists and enough bluster to be useful around scary men with guns, but Gus thought he could control him. It could maybe help explain why Gus could allow Gail to be fired to keep Walt happy, but did not have Gail killed because he would need two chemists later on. So what do you think of her thesis that Gail could not have slotted into the Jesse role? I don't think I buy it. Like I don't I don't know what part Jesse played that Gail couldn't have played. Well, he did he did take control over the cook. But uh, uh, so the only reason that they were hesitant about Jesse and Jesse had to go all gangsta on him is because the cook wasn't up to par, right? Like it wasn't well, as they, good as they wanted. Well, what it is is like they had like the cartel had some chemists or some experienced meth cooks and saying like this will be fine. We can do this or we can do that. And, and then they looked at Jesse and were like, and "This Jesse, guy can't cook." Yeah, he looks like a, an idiot. And yeah. Jesse had to respond, uh, you know, cogently to their to their challenges or things are going to go badly. I think Gail could have done that because Gail respects the chemistry. He would have been like if he got brought up under the Walter White school and he starts wearing the chinos and the button up shirts (laughs) and he starts wearing socks with shoes Uh, and loses the Birkenstocks. Yeah. 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 I think he could be like in sins that they would try to cut corners or. Or Or maybe he doesn't even need to be. Maybe he can just say, well, let, let me do a cook. Let me do a batch for you. And when he nails it out of the park, 99 point whatever percent pure like walter does i think jesse and then they would go oh okay yeah yeah his wasn't you know his was better than what they had right but it wasn't what walt could make sure whereas i think gail could have got there i i agree so that he might have just completely blown them away um and maybe not had to do the whole uh i'm awesome at this uh i don't know fuck off sort of thing yeah you know uh but also it's like the other thing i guess is that jesse ended up being useful you know, at the after party when he poisoned Don Eladio and, you uh-huh. know, uh, uh, Mike took a bullet and Jesse had to do some quick thinking to get them all out of there while Gus was succumbing to poison. Uh-huh. I I don't know, because like Jesse wasn't exactly a badass there. He just was acting purely out of self-preservation. Now, maybe Gus just or Gail just pees himself and turns into a puddle in the floor of the sedan <laughs> uh-huh. and they all get shot up. But. I don't know. I guess just as much as we were kind, you know, you'd see season one, Jesse, and you'd be surprised at what, you know, how well season four, Jesse, uh, comported himself. I feel like we, 
we didn't get to see that with Gale because he got his brains blown out. It's true. So I don't want to just dismiss him just because he wears scarves and sings, you know, crazy uh, uh-huh. uh, karaoke videos uh, and makes coffee and wears Birkenstocks. He he couldn't do that because you could point to so many things about season one Jesse that would make him unsuitable for this type of work. Or, I mean, you can imagine a scenario where Gus himself realizes that that's not the kind of guy that Gale is and approaches it differently, you know? Or has Mike do the as Andrew herself says, have him send Walt down there because Walt can swagger and bluster all over these cartel guys. And he certainly can think quick on his feet and push down an accelerator and get him the fuck out of there. And Gail can stay behind and be the safety cook. So I I feel like it'd work either way. He's off the Walt train, right? He's like (laughs) Walt is far more unstable than any any kind of. I don't know, damage I want to do here. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one. Michael McBee, uh, from out of Virginia says quick, a quick little tidbit. I noticed in the vein of strip mining the past to make the present better. You know, we talked about that, that these aren't moments of foreshadowing. They're moments of like Vince and his team having a steel trap mine for details of breaking bad that they're like, Oh, this would be a cool pivot point mm-hmm. and, and make it seem more connected and, 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 uh, you know, more cinematic, uh, in this episode, Michael says Hank gets the closest to catching Walt until 508's gliding over all where Hank puts it all together from reading Walt Whitman's leaves of grass that Gail gave Walt. But if you notice when Walt gets a call from Hank while he's getting close to the RV, Walt is reading what book? Walt Whitman's leaves of grass. Just a great little parallel. I thought I, yeah, I don't know how I I don't have a lot more to add on that, but they they lean really heavily on that leaves of grass thing and and it's kind of, you know, over the course of a couple seasons, I I wonder how much of that was actually planned. I bet none of it. I mean, uh, really? the Billigan has said that he didn't really have up until like season 5 didn't really have an exact ending for where the series was going. And I believe him because he was like gearing up and, you know, this was all about the gut rise and fall sure. of Gus and yeah, but I mean, having an exact ending versus like Hank is eventually going to catch on. It might be a different story. I don't know. I mean, that's a pretty ambiguous comment, I think. Hmm. Um, but th- they do a lot of stuff with that, right? Like that leaves of grass thing. Like, Well, I mean, they had the Gail reciting it. And... Gail's reciting sure. it. Gail's giving him a book that's signed. It's I don't I don't know. I wonder. I just yeah. And then if... it comes immediately back in season four as part of. uh you know, and he's kind of in thumbing through book. it multiple times in season four, isn't he? Yeah, like, I don't think the first time we see it after this is. I don't. Was he thumbing through? Or are we talking four? about? We're talking. I think we might be confusing the book with Gail's lab notes, which was also a really cool part of season four. His mm. little journal he kept mm. because that's where he, you know, dedicated it to his, you know, WW. Yeah, but it comes back like, um, yeah. I don't know. Hank does ask about it a couple times. Not the book, though. Just the inscription that was in the yeah. lab notes. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, I, my, <laughs> I'm my, not totally sure, but sure. it feels like they use it a lot more than than just like a coincidence here uh-huh. or like a strip mining thing. I, I wonder how much was planned. Uh, I got one more that's not a really spoiler, but it just came in like today uh-huh. um, and I didn't get it for my notes. Do you want it's kind of cool, too. It's from our buddy, Dr. Barry Goodman. 
Yeah, sure. Who not only ran Magical Electromotive, and uh, I think that's what it was, the the websites. Yeah. Um, but he also does some acting in the great... Uh, that's right. And one of his cars is in... One of his cars is the in the show. final season of, of, of Breaking Bad. But he does a lot of uh, acting in the Albuquerque, New Mexico burgeoning acting scene. Mm-hmm. He says, you're discussing how well the actor who played Officer Key did in the role. That was the officer on the Indian reservation responding to the old woman, you know, going missing. Yeah. He says, I read in this fellow on the set of Longmire. He used to be an extra on the show, but transitioned to a primary role. He advised hmm. that Officer Key was his first speaking role. Damn impressive for a first gig, though he now regrets it due to subject matter breaking bad. Oh, really? Interesting. Wow. One of the very few holdouts that, because I know from talking to the location scouts, our, our, our buddy Alex G and uh, a few others, that that was a big problem. You know, New Mexico is kind of sensitive about the meth problem. Mm-hmm. And if you started mentioning, we're doing a drug show about meth. A guy cooking meth in New Mexico that a lot of people just were not interested in helping you out at all. But this, I feel like people came around when it became kind of like this this great artwork. It's it's kind of interesting that this guy still yeah has an axe to grind there. But I don't know, maybe his uh, he's yeah. got some friends and family ravaged by meth. I could see somebody just sticking to their guns on that. Yeah, yeah, and it does. You know, I was talking to a guy that was has worked at the DEA, and I asked him about. Um, how the DEA feels institutionally about Breaking Bad. And he's like, you know, there's not like a really official stance, but <laughs> sure. I but one of the things is, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I know that they tried to be careful not to glorify the gl- drug culture, but they kind of glorify the drug culture. They kind of do. Like, yeah. Walt, Walt's I mean, cool in his way. Gus is cool in his way. Mike is sure. cool. These are all criminal dudes that we are rooting for um, at various places in the series. Yeah, it's a cool show, and so the characters within it are cool by default. Um, so he also has a plea to check out Longmire, which I've heard many, many times that if you like Justified uh, and Breaking Bad, you'd like Longmire. Um, and it yeah, got I saw pick- the first season of that. It was, I guess it was pretty good. It got canceled because it was too expensive for A and E, even though it was a high, their highest rated show. But it just got picked up by Netflix, so they're going to continue oh, production wow. on it. Is uh, Katie Sackhoff in it still? Is she? I uh, that's another. Re- I I feel like I, I thought she was the. You deputy. told me like three times that, and every time I'm like, wow, I I would love to see Katie Stackhouse in something I actually want to watch. Stackhouse. What I just say? <laughs> you said Stackhouse. What is it? Sackhoff. Oh. <laughs> I mixed a little uh, yeah. true blood in there. Say, uh-huh. Yeah, Kate, she obviously Katie Stackhouse. Silky Sackoff. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a porn star name. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to throw it to you because uh, we got some other things to talk about. Uh, I got a couple of things I want to talk about. Shoot, I got uh, four I want to talk about. The first one is with Gus and this idea of South America. Yes, and we know that later on we find out there's some that he's from Chile and there's some kind of Pinochet connection, perhaps. Yep, stuff that kind of never went anywhere specific, but gave you a feeling about Gus. About the importance of Gus. Yeah, and when they call him, refer to him as Generalissimo here, yeah. that maybe he... And that's the thing, like, it never really paid off, but I don't think it needed to, because uh-huh. it gave us, you know, in, in, in a, a very narrative economic way, uh, an idea of who Gus is and why he has got this weird thing with the cartel, whether where the, he's respected and kind of feared, but also looked down as not equal. Yeah, yeah. 
Like he's always having to it's scrap like Mexican, for his place. It's the Mexicans versus the South Americans, right? Like, yeah, they they don't respect each other somehow. Yeah, um, like I don't I don't know if it's like a xenophobia type of thing or if it's like they just don't get along because they're two different cartels, <laughs> which is totally possible. Uh, but they, yeah, that's all mixed up in there. Um, anything specific you want to talk about? I've got one other thing as regards Hank, but well, I want to talk about you know this whole thing where he rolls tough on Fring. What is Gus's plan? Yeah, yeah. So my idea with this is it's always been Gus's plan to have Gail cook for him. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I I think an uncontroversial statement because we find that later in another flashback that Gail was there from the beginning and he was recruited by by Gus to do this one thing, and it's yeah. Gail's own damn mouth that gets Walt involved in the equation. And we know that Victor has his predecessor or postcessor uh, is there specifically for that. Yes. So they can kill Walt and Jesse. We do also think that um, that we we're at least open to the to the plan that Gus, as a businessman, if Walt is willing to keep cooking for him at you know, and, and at, at later in the season, Jesse does the math on this and realizes how much money Gus is making off of their pittance of a salary, even though it's lavished by any standards that you know, yeah. any blue or white collar worker could think of <laughs> uh, that he's actually making a lot of bank on this. And Gus as a shrewd businessman is like, you know, what happens if Gail dies or gets pinched or busted or whatever? Like maybe having two very highly qualified chemists working is, is a backup. It's essentially, it removes a bottleneck from me making this giant bank of a fortune. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, but, but what here, what changes here is I think this starts in motion, the plan where Gus is like, okay, Walt, whatever you want. But he immediately launches into something that's going to provoke Jesse. Mm-hmm. He's going to, you know, I, I feel like if you read between the lines as we go forward, we're going to keep discussing this. But Gus has his dealers involve children, gets them murdered. That pisses mm-hmm. off Jesse. That causes Jesse to act out in a way that Gus can go back to Walt and say, look, Jesse's insane. We got to get rid of him and get Gail yeah. back in. But now Walt's fucked. And then like, because yeah. Gus sees him as a loose cannon. Yeah. It's interesting. Also the way that they ingratiate Jesse to Mike as well, and kind of drive the wedge further between Jesse and Walt. Well, see, that's after that Gail way. gets killed. I know. Yeah. After they have no, that option is off the table, right? Yep. Then they're they're training up Victor, which they put a yeah I, the snowball here that ha, that starts right about now. And Gus is just is riding brilliant. the wave. He's at uh, he's trying to stay at all times. Yeah, two to three steps ahead of Walt. But Walt's but, a smart guy. Well, not only that, but again, Walt's the risk taker. He keeps pushing True. and pushing mm-hmm. and pushing and and not really making plans, but just reacting on instinct. And he, yeah. he it's just the initiative. It's like Sun Tzu, like you cannot like walt just keeps taking these crazy risks and, and playing initiative in a way that you couldn't experience <laughs> long-term success as a criminal doing this but walt doesn't yeah. care he's dying of cancer he feels like an experimental chemist like a, a guy just mixing chemicals willy-nilly and then trying to control the reaction yeah. right like yeah it's it's very volatile at all times and I, I think it's a, it's a testament to gus that it goes down to the wire like it does yeah um yeah he's the ultimate foil for walt even though walt ultimately gets one up on him right but uh no and i think that you know we our our speculation last week is right on that this thing with hank you know 
the way Gus sees this is optimally Hank survives and these two cousins die, which takes the pressure yeah. off of Walt. You know, he doesn't know that Walt's going to throw this crazy screwball at him yet. And, you know, that will shift the DAA's focus from the blue product being, you know, peddled on the streets of Albuquerque to pressure against the cartel. And the the Mexican gangs are operating in the city. So it'll, it'll indirectly take heat off of him. Yeah. So his ideal situation is Hank either, you know, uh, Hank lives because that will keep Walt happy for three months. Or he dies, but hopefully taking out the cousins and giving him time to do what he needs to do with Walt. Yeah, he's got two plans, you know. One is the Jesse Walt angle. Yep. One is the Walt Hank angle yep. um, with the cousins. And it's both of those need to go perfectly for him to get what he wants. I don't know, they they don't go perfectly. We'll just say that. So I feel like that's, you know, this is Gus Fring still in planning mode. Like, okay, I'm still two or three steps ahead of him. I will just now make him see the light as far as Jesse. Yeah. And, you know, Walt's a reasonable man. And I'll have him over for dinner, and I'll give him another one of those speeches that I give about not making the same mistake twice, and providing, and, and all that, and, shit. and all that stuff, and <laughs> and 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 he'll fall in the line. Yep, um, it's a miscalculation. On his well, part. I mean, what happens is once Gus realizes that, or once Walt realizes that he and Jesse are going to be eliminated, that mm-hmm. turns him into the caged animal, and sure. Gus has got no plan for that. Yeah, he does other- underestimate get, he does underestimate Walt just he a does. tad, mm-hmm. which sets off season four. Yep. Uh, the the other thing I want to talk about is okay. Hank. Yeah, because Hank at this moment looks like the in the worst possible situation. I mean, you, you leave him, he might be dead. You're not really sure at this point. He's been shot four times, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not nearly as low as Hank gets. I mean the oh, the no. spiraling depression that happens to Hank in these the course of these next few episodes is unparalleled and really I'm going to say anything I've seen frankly. I mean he goes deep uh, on this darkness. Uh Theon from Game of Thrones. Okay, yes. That's the- <laughs> that's a little little more severe. <laughs> Hank Hank keeps his man parts intact. Yeah. Uh he he's not changing his name and his identity. <laughs> yeah, no, Marie even gives him a hand with you're that. You're right. You're right. Reek is a little bit worse, but man, he goes deep. He does. And to the fact that I remember us speculating on like uh Bet, you know, Betsy. Uh Marie's going to leave him. Yeah. They're going to get divorced. He's, he's going to himself. That he's going to kill thing. him. There, that he's going to start. Cook, he's going to be so devastated and continue to be so that he starts cooking uh, or starts being the enforcer for Heisenberg. I mean, I don't know how seriously I thought I took those theories, but they were certainly on the table. Yeah, but I, I mean, they're they're warranted. Coming coming out of this episode, having seen it for the first time, I was thinking, well, okay, so the threat to Hank is kind of gone at this point. Um, he's already opened up to Marie. Maybe yeah. he'll have a little bit of self-reflection time if he survives these gunshots and he'll be okay but it just gets worse from here oh yeah it gets a lot worse before it gets better and it never really gets better never really gets better that's the thing like when i was talking about this like does hank is hank ever suspected beautifully handled by the end of breaking bad when walt uses that very same fact and does the false confession oh yeah yeah uh, yeah, I mean, man. all these things I said, like he just lines those up like so many pool balls and sinks them in the pockets. And it does look terrible because uh-huh. the thing that we that, that hasn't happened yet is Walt funnels a bunch of money into Hank's recovery yeah. from his drug empire. 
that and looks then he throws terrible. It in his face later on. <laughs> oh yeah. So all this stuff comes into play, and he does look dirty as hell. Yeah. And they also add the fact that you know Merker was friends with Gus, and he feel like there's already kind of some shadow of mm-hmm. weird conspiracy maybe against the DEA. Um, no, I, I yeah, it gets good. It gets it gets real good. It gets real good, which is why you can't like you know I I, I want to say three and four is prime Breaking Bad. But oh, you're it, you're you, right. You can't dismiss season five just I, because I know. everything comes to fruition to a head. But the villains aren't as good. It's, you're right. Um, there are reasons, uh, valid reasons to say that three and four are the best of Breaking Bad. It's hard for me to. It's like three, four, and five are just on this pantheon. Yeah, and it's really hard for me to rank them. Mm-hmm. Like if I, I almost want to say that I would put four slightly above all of them. Yeah, because that was I mean, it's it's but it's hard to separate. That was the first year we did a podcast. You know, it's also hard to separate it because of the way that this show snowballs. You know, right. One thing leads to another that it all of all of it is so wrapped up in what happened the season before or the right. season before that, that how do you really say without season three, season four would have been as great as it was? Yeah. Or four and five, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. We just we have a long road to hoe with Hank here. <laughs> Yeah, we do. With his gems, his uh, crystals, his rocks, his minerals, whatever you want to call them. Jesus, Marie. <laughs> uh, we are, in fact, halfway through the season. Yeah. Slightly more than halfway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no, I, I, again, I'm really enjoying the hell out of this rewatch. Um, and it's it's really tough for me to rank them. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we need to try. The only thing I can say for sure... No, I'm not even going to say that because it annoys people. But second second season is my least favorite. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think we'll leave it there unless you have anything else uh, spoilery to talk about. Nope. See you on 308. Cool. See you then.